Okay, we continue in 1 Corinthians today. So if you have your Bibles and want to turn there, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And it's been a, a, a journey through this book addressed to a church Paul had trouble with, but he calls them saints, and particularly this morning. I remember when I was very much younger. I love to argue, mostly because I like to win. Debates, it's really fun, and I know I've changed a lot, but don't talk too closely to my wife. And someone eventually came, I, I don't remember who it was exactly, came alongside me and said, you know, Dax, you're not winning anyone by winning the argument. You really aren't. And uh, you can be right and not be right. And I want to talk about that a little bit today in light of what we're talking about here. How do we live with people whose beliefs and values differ a lot from yours and mine in the body? People who believe in Jesus, but we don't believe the same about what you should do. And the world has a term for this. They call it tolerance. But we have a word in the church for it. We call it grace. And I'd, I'd like to see and help you see that they're not the same this morning. That when you are strong in the gospel, you are called into relationship with those who are weak, even when they're wrong. That's why I put, but they're wrong on the board. I want to show you that from this passage. And there's a, a, a parallel passage that we'll touch on just a little bit from Romans 14 and 15, where Paul addresses very much the same issue. So it's an important issue in the body for the church, for us this morning. And in order to do that, I have three steps, three things I want you to know. One is I want you to know what strength is as a Christian. And then I hopefully want you to see how our church and how you are growing in strength. I want you to see that. Secondly, I, I, I want you to see that when you're strong, how do you act towards people who are weak? And then, thirdly, I want to compare that to how the, the world acts, to contrast it with sort of our traditional idea of tolerance and how we're different. Okay, that sounds academic, but I'll, I'll tell you what. There's, this is very practical living for you and me in light of the gospel. And The issue that's going to help us understand it today is food food. I know that might sound kind of silly to you, but that's the issue these people had. It was a big deal in the early church. It's not so much, man, you're not eating enough fiber. Man, you should eat more vegetables. It's not about that. It's not about are you getting your vitamin C. It's not those things that they argued about. See, the, the issue that they had, there's a group of people in Rome who basically were separating themselves because they started to say, you need to follow dietary laws, the Old Testament dietary laws. In Corinth, where we're talking about today, the issue was a little different. Christians were starting to say, no one should ever eat food dedicated to idols. It wasn't a wisdom issue. It wasn't a, man, you can't see that you balance your diet. It was a spiritual issue. And it was a big deal. Because you know what? In the early church here in Corinth, in the marketplace, almost everywhere you went to go buy food, it had been dedicated. It had been blessed. So the food would have been blessed and prayed for in the name of Artemis or in the name of some god that wasn't the god of Israel, that wasn't the god we believe in. And so these Christians were saying, I'm not even going to the marketplace. I'm feeling polluted, defiled. So they were withdrawing and condemning other Christians who didn't follow them. Because they were eating food that had been blessed to another god. That's our issue. 
Okay, but to understand it, you've got to understand these steps. So walk with me. Here's the first one. Are you weak or are you strong? So Paul picks it up in chapter 8, verse 1. Here we go. Now, Paul writes, concerning food offered to idols. So we're talking about this kind of food. So we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. You know, as we get started here, I just wish, it's a sadness of mine, that the, the translators of the Greek put quotation marks around all these things. You've heard me complain about it before in other passages. There's no quotation marks. It, you could just read it right through. That's an interpretive thing to say he doesn't really mean all knowledge. But we're going to see in 1 Corinthians 13, he really does. So what he's saying here, right, is, is this truth, and a truth that you and I would understand, that when you really know something, you think you know really well, <laughs> it can make you proud. I know something that you don't know. Look at me. So he goes into that and he says, hey, if anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. Don't get proudful. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Okay, he's going to talk about food offered to idols, but he says there's plenty of opinions out there. There's lots of knowledge. The danger with knowledge is it pushes you towards pride. If you know something and you push it towards someone else, you have to be careful. You might be acting in pride. Because really, the center of our good news is right here, right? It's not that we know something. It's that we are known by God. Isn't that an amazing statement what the gospel is? I'm known by God. Good news, in spite of our lack of knowledge, in spite of our sin even, this view of being known by God, and it's important, he leans on it as he goes on. Therefore, he says, has to the eating of food offered to idols. We know that an idol has no real existence, and that there is no God but one. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods, many lords, Yet for us, there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and from whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom we are all things and through whom we exist. You get where he's going, right? You see he's going, he's saying, here's the thing, here's the truth. Even if there are many so-called gods, we have the God. And we have the Lord, Jesus He's the Messiah, and we exist only through him. And so what he's basically saying is you get the gospel, right? The only life you have, you have in Christ. The only existence you have is the good news that Jesus died for you, and, and therefore you stand right there that we have this God and Father, and he made everything, and he's put you in Jesus. And if you have that really good grasp of the gospel, you see that to be known by him is all that matters. You're free. Your life is about being in union with Christ and everything's made by him. It's all very good. And he says, you know what? But not everyone is like this, even Christians. However, not all possess this knowledge. But some, through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol. And their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Okay, see what he's doing. Really interesting with this issue of food. He's saying, you know what? There's two groups of Christians. 
They're both Christians. We're talking to the church. We're talking to you. But you know what? There's two groups. There's this strong group over here, and there's a weak group over here. What does it mean to be weak? What does it mean to be strong? And, and honestly, he's saying it's about whether you understand the gospel. How do you get it? Because what does he say, right? He says there's, there's not all possess this knowledge. Some people have a weak, and the weakness he's talking about is a weakness in conscience. A weak conscience. That's what he says. He says, if you're strong in faith, that means you're, you're strong in the conscience. You're, you're strong. If you're weak, that means you're weak in the conscience. He's, he's not using conscience like, like I am used to using it. Right? I mean, I think of conscience as sort of my moral guide. My conscience is, is something where, where I, it tells me whether to do right or wrong. And, and, and so if I have a strong conscience, it means I'm constantly choosing the moral good all the time. And if I have a weak conscience, I'm out there sinning. I have a seared conscience. I'm, I'm doing anything I want to. You see that he's flipped it around. You see that's not what he means. He's saying that he's saying that some people are afraid to eat this food because their conscience isn't strong. It's weak. The conscience is weak to Paul if it's not deeply oriented to the grace and love of God. It's weak if it's constantly feeling condemned and guilty and accused. Why? Well, he's tying it to the same concept as in Hebrews, right? Remember there, it's like, if I have a clean conscience, the clean conscience I have is that Jesus Christ died once and for all for me, and the sacrifice that he shed for me once and for all has been done for me. So if I stand, I stand clothed in the whiteness of the robes of Christ. So if I, if, if I have a clean conscience, it's not that I never sin. You could come up and say, Dax, you sin, you sinner, you. And I would say, amen. And yet I'm not carrying around guilt and shame because I have the forgiveness and cleansing of Christ. Look, my conscience does not condemn me. That's a strong conscience because you understand what Jesus has done. You're standing on the gospel. In fact, Paul even has this piece of weak and strong, not just here, but in Romans. Same idea. Take a look at this one. I'll put it up on the board for you. Here's Romans 14. As the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Sorry, vegans. That's not what he means, right? That's not it at all. He, he's saying, though, this, this idea of a weak conscience is the same idea here. They're not, they're not able to eat meat because it's, they feel like it's been dedicated to idols. That's a conscience issue. And here he calls the brother weak in faith. A weak faith means your conscience is weak. means you don't, you cannot See that you're free in Christ. You're not standing in the clothed righteousness of Jesus. You're temperamentally tight. You need everything evaluated. You can't live with the ambiguity of this world, all the things people do in it. So, so you have this weak person, and they're tight, and they, 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 they all the time are feeling condemned and guilty and not sure, and, 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 and that's weak in their faith and in their conscience. And you have the strong person who says, I understand Jesus, saved by the king, known by God. I'm free. I can do anything. Paul refers to them in Romans 15. We won't go there, but you can hear. We who are strong, he says. This actually applies to this group of people who get the gospel. 
who don't need to make lots of evaluation, who are comfortable with ambiguity, with gray areas. They are this way because they know the center is Christ. What sorts of things? Well, I mean, if you're strong, right? I'm talking about not having to wall yourself off. You watch movies. Again, not a wisdom issue. Maybe you should or maybe you shouldn't watch any particular movie. But the movie itself isn't a spiritual issue. You could watch an R-rated movie. Oh, no. Maybe it's drinking alcohol. May not be wise, but this is about, is it spiritual? Does it affect your standing in Christ? Go to a concert, not a Christian one. Ooh, really? In my day, I know what it was. You know, it's very similar to this. There used to be these, um, these soundtracks, these songs. I remember one of them was the Eagles. I don't know if you know, I'm dating myself. I'm sorry. But you used to listen to them backwards. You guys ever do that or hear about that? You listen to them backwards and you listen backwards to listen for these messages you might hear in them that were satanic messages. It's amazing what you can find listening to things backwards. Beyond the, oh no. So, but, but the issue is that, right? It, it said, no, 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 you can't listen to that. It's satanic. It's going to defile you. It's going to hurt you. Don't eat that food. It's been dedicated to Satan. You can't eat that. So, but the only one who can stand is the strong one. The one who says, I've been cleansed in Christ. It is his righteousness that's mine. So, not everyone is strong, so we need to stop there for a moment and and think about it with me. So now, he's defined these two camps, and it's about conscience, and he connects conscience to faith about being strong or weak. So, there's two camps, and you might think, hey, if if you're the strong one, by the way, it's so cool to me as the pastor to see us grow as a church, to see you grow individually, to get stronger. To say, I I am, the center is the gospel. I am standing in Christ. This is where we stand. We stand on the gospel. We are free and free indeed. Amen if you're there. But not everyone is there. There are plenty of people who are not there who are saved. They know Jesus, but they're weak. How are they weak? They're tight. They feel condemned a lot. And, and, and they struggle. And, and so you might think if you're a strong person and you're sitting over here standing on the gospel, understanding freedom, your conscience is clean because of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're looking across the table at someone who's a Christian, but they're not there yet. Their light bulb there hasn't gone on. This area, their conscience, perhaps because, and Paul even mentions this, right, because of how they were raised, because of their background, because of how they were taught over many, many years, and they just they can't get there in their heart. They really think that these things are disqualifying and damaging in worship of Satan or of idols or of bad things. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And this is my question. Do you condemn them or do you correct them or do you receive them? Do you accept them? What, what, what is it that you do? Because this is true, right? Verse 8 is true. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat. We are no better off if we do. That's the answer. That was the question, right? What do we do with food to idols? Answer, here's the truth. Eat whatever you want. Clear statement of the truth. Hey, strong person, getting the gospel, not put off by limits and false thinking, you are right. 
ahead and soak in it for a minute. Because if you're strong, you stand in the gospel, that's the last time you're going to soak for a while. Because you think what he says, okay, go take that great truth. I'm right. So many of our discussions are about how we can win the rightness award. I won the whiteness award. I'm right. Now it's going to be, how do you deal with the person who's wrong? And really, Paul doesn't say, you weak people, get stronger. Paul addresses his attack, if you will, his, his, his urging to the strong one, to those of us who stand in Christ on the gospel. And he has something to say to us. I think what he's going to do is go have the strong person go correct this obviously wrong, weak person or people. He doesn't go that way at all. Look what he does. But take care that this right of yours, oh, strong one, does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed. The brother for whom Christ died, thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Okay, so we've already determined, and if you have a weak conscience, it's weak. You're not right. But strong people, there's a real danger here. Right? Because the critique is of the strong. Weak Christians are wrong, but the comment here, verse 9 to 13, is on the ones who are right, who are broad-minded, because they generally can be intolerant of people they think are too tight. People who are too ignorant. I know I, it was many years ago now, but it was a man who came to me, and I was encouraging him to go to our men's group, and, and he said, I don't like to go to that group. And I said, oh, too early? He's like, no. No, it's just a bunch of ignorant people. Just wish they had to, man, they, I don't want to hear from them. I just want to hear from people who know a lot. It's like, okay, well, we'll come and you can have the floor. I mean, who are you? And why are you thinking you don't want to hear from just people who know Jesus? Right? We can, we can get a little bit that way because we can stand on our little corner and say, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. I've got knowledge you don't have. And then we want to push people so they get there. We don't want to um, embrace them. We want to wag our finger at them. But here's Paul, and he's saying there's a bigger principle to be thinking of. You're strong, now good. Now you consider how your knowledge can be used in considering what's best for your fellow believer, right? If they see you exercising this food freedom, and it tempts them to do it, even when they think it's really wrong, they'll be wounded. They'll suffer guilt. They'll suffer shame. They may somehow think they are separated from Christ, even though they're not. It may lead them to think they're actually not known by God. Here's the thing. If you are strong in the gospel, if you're strong in conscience, if you, if you know that eating food doesn't matter, if, but your brother or sister, you know what? You know something about them then because you know it's all about being known by God. You know the most important thing for them is that they be known by God. It doesn't matter what the food is. It doesn't matter what the thing is. It's the piece of, are they loved by the king? And you who are strong, you can answer that question for me. The answer is, they are loved by the king. 
You don't want to hurt them. They're more important to you, say, than eating a meal or, or going to the movies or going to the bar. And the main thought that Paul has isn't for the weak to get over it. It's for the strong to accept the weak. Here's the thing. Super important. Accepting them does not mean considering them right. They aren't right. But the battle we are in is not a battle for rightness. It's a battle for trusting Jesus, for being on his team. And he has people on his team. He does. The Lord has people on his team, including me, who are weak. Who are weak. Therefore, he says, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. I'm not worried about winning this battle. I'm not worried about enticing my brother to condemn This is not the thing. You're not worried about someone condemning you because you know if your conscience is strong. It doesn't matter. They're wrong. They can condemn you all day. It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is you don't want them to be pulled away from the truth of the gospel. So your heart is not about the judgment peace. Your heart is about the love peace. The one who is right, the one who is strong, the one who is free, that one, hey, be tender towards how you might offend the conscience of the weak. Usually, usually it plays out the opposite way, you know. Usually it plays out that the one with high standards is the one who thinks they're strong, and so then they, they need to see they're weak. But then they don't get their behavior forced down their throat. They get tenderness instead. And this is the difference between the world and the Christian. This is the difference, we need to to think about this, between what the world calls tolerance and what we do, what grace actually is. It's it's really important because because it'll affect how you think about people around you and about fellow Christians. So let's talk about that for a minute. So now we've defined our strong and our weak, and now we've said the strong are going to accept the weak. They're not going to try and force them to be where they are, even though they're right. What does that mean for tolerance? So think more broadly with me for a minute, would you? Think on the one hand that how, how most people see Christians as morally tight intolerant, right? Judgy, fearful of outsiders. And so on the other side is another group of people who are broad-minded. They say, I don't make negative evaluations. I just accept people. And so our world is pushing really hard and our culture is pushing really hard, especially now. This is to push people into the second camp. And usually they put Christians into the first camp. That's usually what happens, right? Why? Because we have a moral code. Because we have rules, because we do order. We think God actually tells us in the Bible um, what, what the right way to live is. Of course, it's about accepting Jesus. But if you want acceptance in the society of today, tolerance is where you need to be. What that means is to be accepting that there's no right or wrong, right? Everything's relative. So that, that's what it starts to mean. And honestly, it starts to infect us. This relative value. You can be a member of our group if you're willing to be as relativistic as we are. So, therefore, you would say things, hey, watching movies is okay, getting drunk is okay, living together is okay, whatever. Whatever truth you think is there. You see how that's not what we're talking about? 
See how different we are? Because in actuality, when you talk about tolerance, there's three ways to exclude people, three ways to not not embrace them, to not be accepting and taking. The first way is to expul- get them out. Like you just say, hey, you're different than me. Go away. That's expulsion. The second way is subjugation. Means, yeah, you can be part of my group, but I'm going to be watching you, and I'm going to get you if you do something bad. The third way is called assimilation. And that's what our society's doing. You can be part of my group, but you got to believe everything like I believe. Because the, the society that we have is very tolerant of people who are tolerant, but they're not tolerant of people who are intolerant. If you're that, then let's put you out because you're not assimilating. In our group, that's a form of intolerance. The Bible does it totally different. We're, we're seeing something totally different in this room. Because the world says there's these two groups. The weak say, I have the truth. You don't have the truth. I'm better than you. That's just like the Bible would say, yeah, yeah. They're judgy. But I'm better than you. They say, but the strong say, the people who are tolerant, right? They say, I don't make any moral evaluation. And if you do, then I'm better than you. The Bible says, I've got the truth, the weak say. You shouldn't eat food like this. The strong say, I have the truth. And you can eat like this. They're right. But then these guys say, but I welcome you. I won't eat that food around you. I'll let you win. That's a big deal. They're not giving up the truth, by the way. They're not saying, oh, yeah, you're right. You, you, we shouldn't eat. No, no, no. This is real freedom. It's, it's, it's a real gospel. That's what we have. It's the truth that you can do. You're free. You can rest in the arms of Jesus. But if your actions are causing a brother to stumble, oh, we start to see. It's not important that we win. The bar's not important. The movies aren't important. The kids wearing shorts aren't important. It's still not true that you have to follow some sort of walled rules and any of those things. It's just true that your fellow believer needs you. That's why Paul's going to say, we're not there yet, but I'll skip to, to 1 Corinthians 13. If I have prophetic powers, that's like massive, cool wisdom that I can just speak out. I understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. Why does he say that? He says that because this is the gospel. Why is it the gospel? Because this is what love is, that Jesus Christ has come and he loves me. You and I have been touched by the same love. And it's not our love, how great we are. It's his love that he came to earth, that he lived a perfect death, that he died on a cross for yours and mine sin, and, and, and he did that for you and me. And this is love that he loved me first. And so I see he's put that same love on these people who don't deserve it. I don't deserve it either. And so it's more important that they get that than that I win my little battle about food. This is, this is Christian grace. Okay, so let me close. This is the three things that we've learned that I wanted you to see. One is what his strength is. And to hopefully see over time in yourself and in people in the church how you're getting strong. It is a strength of conscience. It is a strength in faith. It is the strong, to, is to be strong is to have a clean conscience in Christ. You are free. You cannot be spoiled by food or by drink or, or by this world. You are kept in Christ. 
It is on him we stand. So when you're strong, the second thing, I want you to see how you act towards those who are weak. Remembering that the weak ones are the ones who want to impose these rules. And the, the, what we've seen, it's not fighting. It's not despising. It's not imposing. It's receiving. It's being kind without giving up the truth. And the third thing I, I wanted us to compare with how this is different than the world's view of tolerance. And the world's view of tolerance is calling everyone's opinions right, accepting indiscriminately as a virtue in itself. The Bible says no way. It's not true. Weak is weak. Feel it if you're there. But at the same time, realize, man, it's all about Jesus. We love the one who isn't in the same place we are. This is not tolerance, but it's real acceptance. This is because the love of Christ has come. And when you see that he frees you and you rejoice in every day lived and you see the snares and traps that people have fallen into and the woundedness because of how they were raised, that over time with the spirit at work, you know they're going to get free too. Give them time. Have patience. Have love. Okay. One more word and we're done. But I, I need to say this. I need to say this. If you're weak, you'll want to judge. Paul says, don't do it. You want to see other people and say, man, they shouldn't be doing that. Nope. See yourself as weak instead. If you're strong, man, what you want to do is despise people who are that way. They're so narrow-minded. Why don't they just get the gospel? Don't do it, says Paul. Instead, lean in, love people, exercise restraint in the things you do because you love them. And, and I suppose one of the main pieces is what do you do when you fail? Because I can tell you this. You can even see it with me. But I, I do fail. What, what about when your freedom is more important to you than your brother, really? I mean, come on. Uh, what is it? Avengers, Infinity War. I gotta see it. It's really good. I haven't seen it. Is it that good? I don't know. But I'll tell you what. If that's causing your brother to stumble, it's not worth it, is it? There are things that are really more important. And you may have already been there. You may have gone down that road, you know, and you say, you know what? I want to win. I want to be right more than I really want to love. When, when, when that happens to you, and it will, come back to the cross. You come back to that night when Jesus was betrayed, when everybody left him the one who was innocent, the one who was deserving of praise and glory, the one who was right. And they scourged him and beat him. And he went on a cross and he died for you and me. You come back to the cross. Soak in the, the wonder that Jesus Christ did this for you. Soak in the wonder that everybody abandoned him. Soak in the wonder that the one who was right gave up all his rightness, that you and I might have that. And, and the more you get into that, the more your heart will soften to say, you know what? I'm going to love my brother because I've been loved by the king. That's where we can go, you and I, today, to sit with our Savior, to receive forgiveness, find true love, because this is love, not that we loved him, but that he has loved us.